Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogue such as, Hi there, no need to be alarmed, I'm the City Alley Inspector. Here to provide analysis for that line, and so much more, is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm feeling okay. Uh, I haven't seen a alley inspector around, although I, I did walk down an alley the other day. How about you, James B.? I have not been walking down alleys, <laughs> but I have been doing a pretty good job of making a different dessert every night for like four nights in a row, and that way I could keep eating a different dessert. A baked dessert or... Yeah, yeah. Tonight I made... Right? We're, right. Both, we're both quite quite the bakers, although I get stuck only on chocolate chip cookies. Pretty much. Oh, okay. Well, um, <laughs> brownies is my go-to, which is what I made tonight. Right. That's what I would but, assume. Yeah. But I made something in the last baking thing, which was last night, that I have not ever made. Now, is this is, let me be clear. This is like, I went to Walmart. I bought, you know, two ingredients. Like, I'll give you a hint. One was like a frosting of some sort. The other was like in a box <laughs> for like, you know, under two bucks. And I poured it in and I did some stuff with an egg and then I put it in there. <laughs> but there's my hint. Something I've never made since I've been doing the podcast. What was it? With an egg, and it's not brownies. It's. It doesn't sound like it could be cheesecake. Uh, is this a cake? Did you make a cake? I'm just looking for you to give an answer because I have a whole story to go through here with a Spider-Man cake. and other stuff. You can't just say a cake. That's like when you say chocolate. A, a funfetti cake. Listeners, do you want to put in a guess? Funfetti cake. It was a carrot cake. Oh, nice. From a box. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that happened Yeah, you know, like it wasn't. I mean, I don't want boxed carrot cake in the future. I'm not recommending it, but I wanted some (laughs) carrot cake and, you know, I'm not going to be sitting there shredding carrots. (laughs) We are the opposites, James B. I'm always from scratch, but let us continue. (laughs) Besides reminding the listeners that you're a real baker and I'm just throwing stuff out of the box, (laughs) could you let them know who Nose Norton is before we do these books? Yes, Nose Norton, he seems to be always a source of information for so many different people, Spider-Man included today and in the past. Um... Uh, the Cobra recently tried to kill Nose Norton, and um, along with a couple other people, and he's just recovered. So we'll see him start this first book out. Okay, we got two Amazing Spider-Mans, and then we have an annual. And the first of these is from December of 1983. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man 247 Interruptions by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr., and John Romita Sr. We open with Spidey paying a visit to good old Nose Norton. Nose only knows the Hobgoblin was dead. But Spider-Man knows he's not, and so swings off. Upon the departure of the superhero, Norton cuddles a long case hidden under his bed, and he refers to it as his moneymaker. James B., I am a little delirious because I have been doing inventory for my orchestra, and when I read this book, Nose Norton's case looks so much like it should contain a contrabassoon, which is a rather obscure instrument used in a full orchestra. It's about, I don't know, five feet tall, and when you play it, it's very low in pitch. Maybe uh, Nose has got an audition coming up. Yeah, it kind of looks like a bazooka. Yeah, we could say uh, uh, that is not incorrect. Uh, and a bazooka is also actually uh, an instrument, I believe. A bazooka? <laughs> uh, yes, Mr. Music Teacher. A bazooka was actually an instrument. And the U.S. military, when they invented their weapon, they said, oh, this looks like the instrument, a bazooka. And the bazooka weapon was formed. 
And uh, it kind of stole the name, but really the bazooka is the name of an instrument. Wow. James B. Off on a tangent even further. Well. It was called it was called the bazook, uh, a bazoo, but then they added the cut to make it sound more official. It's true. All right. Well, let me continue here back from wherever we just went. Uh, Peter <laughs> joins Aunt May and Anna Watson for lunch. But when Nathan Lubinsky arrives in his wheelchair, he is escorted by... Mary Jane Watson. Peter awkwardly acknowledges his ex-fiancee, while at the end of the meal, Aunt May privately pushes Peter to reconsider his old flame. Peter tells Aunt May and Anna that they're the only people who are not trying to set MJ and Peter back up, and then like they come strolling in. They're like, oh, look, uh, who's here? Uh-oh, they get all embarrassed. What a coincidence. <laughs> Has... Eddie, has he told anyone, like, hey, by the way, I asked this girl to marry me, and she, like, left, turned me down? I think that's a private matter between the two of them, and oh. it never serviced publicly. Okay. Right. So, yeah, I can understand. They just think that they broke up. Got it. Got it. Right. Thank you. That's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, also interesting, Aunt May says, you have more in common than you might think, Peter. You've both lost so, so very much. Even, yeah, what's that? Yeah, what's, what's that about? Yeah, even Peter doesn't understand what she's talking about, and neither do I. <laughs> what if, I don't either. We need to ask Kevin Ewing we have on the podcast oh, next week. Yes, absolutely. Well, we rejoin Nose as he carefully delivers his contrabassoon to five muscular thugs looking to rob an armored car. But Nose didn't know he'd been tracked by Spider-Man, and after Nose unceremoniously departs the gang, Spider-Man attacks. Through a hail of bullets, our hero subdues four of the five goons. Eddie, it's by the way, it's not a contribution. Uh, it, you know. We we don't know that yet. It, it could be. Uh, when the ringleader hurls a crate of disc brakes at Spidey, Spider-Man thinks he's found the Hobgoblin out of character. Sure. Spider-Man's attack is thwarted when... Frogman shows up to help in his signature clumsy style. Eugene, a.k.a. Frogman, throws off Spider-Man's attack, allowing the gang to escape. Spider-Man tells Eugene to practice his jumping if he insists on trying to fight crime again. How does Frogman know about this place? Where did he come from? Maybe he has like a, a frog sensor or something that he's... Attached to Spider-Man. I... I'll tell you, we, we are getting closer and closer to another one of our You Think There's a Chance. Oh, segment. yeah. We're, we're, we're always just on the edge of this, but we'll, we'll let it go for now. Go ahead and finish the story. Well, the escaped gang uses the contrabassoon to blast the armored car. So did Berlioz, everyone, and tow it to their hideout. There, they cut the armored car open to reveal a crowbar-looking wrecking bar... And Wrecking Ball, Spider-Man catches up to the infighting posse just as villain Thunderball is revealed. James B., that laser that's inside the case, that looked, it really looked like a contrabassoon. I have a good friend from music school, Sam Blair, who's a bassoonist. Um, I think he plays with the National uh, Opera. He once told me what it was like to play contrabassoon and let it be known 
Many bassoonists do not like having to play contrabassoon. You usually have to do this. Do you want to know what it's like? No, you just wasted like 30 seconds there. I don't. You tell me after the show. Don't do it after the credits. <laughs> Fine, James. But after the credits, so if people don't want to hear it, they can just click next. You go know, the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, when's the last time you had some veal scapa, scalpa, scallopini, scallopini? <laughs> Because it mentions it when they're, when they're at dinner. Yeah. Like after after three servings of <laughs> veal scallopini. Actually, I was more focused on the fact that they were drinking Sanka, which is, uh, you know, I went, you know what Sanka is? I don't know. What is Sanka? Sanka is a decaf coffee. It was oh. like the decaf coffee before <laughs> other people thought to make decaf coffee. So you just wow. order Sanka. Wow. And then eventually Sanka, I think, got absorbed by... I think it's like Maxwell House decaf is like AKA Sanka now or something like that. Last time I had veal scallopini, I don't think I've ever had it. I will tell you that I really used to like veal, Eddie. Really? Uh, I don't really reveal a lot of information about myself in these podcasts. I used to really like it. And then it was one of the two foods I'm like, I'm not going to eat this anymore because I just, uh, I didn't like the whole treatment of animals, the way that veal was being handled. That's very understandable. Yeah. I also gave up bacon because uh, I just really started to believe that bacon has a lot of, uh, you know, cancer causing ingredients in it so those two things i just kind of avoid so hey eddie good news for you yes you were complaining last episode or during the vulture episode you wanted a new villain look at this new villain you know they brought him over from the iron man books he got uh thunderball over here i did get a new villain but this is this is not the villain <laughs> that i was looking for i wanted more hobgoblin and instead i got i don't know whatever whatever he's gonna do Okay. Eddie, by the way, did you ever eat veal scallopini or veal? I have never had veal scallopini. And I've had very little veal for the same reason. I'm not interested in the process of um, how they how they create veal. Although gotcha, bacon, gotcha. bacon, anytime. Although it's quite rare I managed to get some bacon. So, <laughs> Well, I'm glad that you, uh, that you and I are in sync there. But we don't seem to be in sync about this whole Thunderball character. Maybe I can convince you more when we talk about this next book. From January of 1984. Woohoo, I was one year old. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider Man 248 and He Strikes Like a Thunderball by Roger Stern, John Romita Jr., and Brent Breeding. We rejoin Spider Man as he's facing off against a Thunderball in the woods of Long Island. Perhaps, James B., you could tell us about what Thunderball looks like? I really don't want to, it's not that exciting. <laughs> He's, bl- he's a black guy. He wears a lot of green. He has like boots and gloves and gauntlets that are yellow. And look, I'm doing this from memory. He's got some kind of like crowbar. Mask. He's like the low lone ranger with a crowbar, but he's like with the with a wrecking ball on a chain. All right, sorry. Yes, <laughs> Spider Man yeah. manages to snatch Thunderball's crowbar from him. What a villain! And uses it to bash a boulder <laughs> at him. Thunderball proves to be more than a match for Spider-Man, and the only way Spider-Man is able to stop him is by electrocuting him at a transformer station. Spidey is interviewed by the media after his fight to discuss... Spider-Man causing the biggest traffic jam in Long Island's history. Yes. Nothing particularly exciting about the start of this book, James B., but we get a second story called The Kid Who Collects Spider-Man. Spider-Man is secretly visiting a young superfan at his home. 
Uh, Spider-Man has seen the Daily Bugle article written about Timothy Harrison regarding his vast collection of memorabilia. Spider-Man sits down to look through some of Timmy's things and retells the story of how he got his powers and how he failed to stop the burglar who killed Uncle Ben. Yeah, a lot of recap panels here. They did not go with the wheat cakes and microscope image in this retelling. They instead did the one where he jumps out of the way from the car. But Eddie, they did not have the quote from the person in the car. Do you or the listeners recall the quote from the people in the car? It's, it's something like, get out of the way. Wait. No, I do not recall. What is it, James B.? It's, uh, I, I'm going to paraphrase it too. It's something like, that will teach that egghead for not paying attention or something like that. It's definitely got the word That's egghead. That's right. <laughs> yes. And then the person's like, yeah, that will teach him or something like that. Poor Peter Parker. Well, any egghead who's daydreaming crossing the street deserves to be right over the car. <laughs> well, Spider-Man shows Timmy his web shooter. And when he's about to leave, Timothy asks Spidey if he'll reveal his secret identity. Astonishingly, Spider-Man pulls off his mask and tells Timmy he's Peter Parker. Timmy has a laugh at the fact J. Jonah has been paying him to take pictures of himself as Spider-Man and gives him a big hug before departing. In the last panel, it is revealed that Tim Harrison has leukemia and he only has a few more weeks to live. Yeah, I think that uh, 13-year-old James B. would not have seen this coming, but from page one of the second story with Spider-Man visiting a kid in the hospital, I knew exactly what was going to happen you know, in this entire story. But I think it's been the best way to do his retelling of his origin story that I've read lately. I completely agree with that. It, it is a real touching story, and they weave into their his origin. Um, and it's really fun that he reveals himself to someone, too. I mean, I know it's in such a sad context, but this is always such a big problem for Peter Parker, and it must be a relief to actually tell someone that he's Spider-Man. There was a point when I went and did the, like, top 50 Spider-Man stories of all time, and I marked down which ones I had and which ones I had to read in reprints. This is always in there. Uh, I think if if you don't know that and you come across the story, I think it's a great story. But knowing it's one of the, you know, very highly ranked story, it's still fine. I, I like it, you know. It's better than the uh, Juggernaut story that... <laughs> Kevin Ewing thinks we should have pet more, been more proud of. We don't like I that. like the Juggernaut story. Yeah. This one for me, it it kind of comes out of nowhere, and I think it's well written. But better, you like Juggernaut story, better. I I would prefer to read Juggernaut than a story like this. I I think it's because I think it's because we're reading in such a tight continuum that I'm like, okay, moving on. You know, if I was getting a book every month, maybe it'd be more for me to contemplate afterwards, but. Kevin will yell next podcast. <laughs> uh, Eddie, knocked off two books that quickly, huh? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we got one left. It's an annual. Maybe it'll take longer. It's from 1983. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man Annual 17, Heroes and Villains by Roger Stern, Bill Mantlo, Ed Hannigan, and Jim Mooney. Sleazy publisher Milton Farr is ambushed by thugs at his office in an attempt to obtain incriminating evidence about the kingpin. We leave far and go elsewhere in the underworld to see Spider-Man interrupting a fencing operation led by the Kingpin's associate, Mr. Gilbert. The Kingpin is displeased and brutally punishes Gilbert. This is a very ominous start to this book. There's lots of violence and plenty more violence to come. Yeah, the Kingpin is 
threatened, but instead of killing someone, he's like, oh, we're going to break that guy's legs. Eddie, that's not my kingpin. That's not the kingpin from Let's Read Spider-Man 175. He should be killing people, this guy. He must have more value than what we know. That's what I assumed. So, well, uh, the moment of truth that Peter is dreading Midtown High's class reunion. (laughs) (laughs) Peter reconnects with old friends, including C.J. Vogel, um, former bully's target turned successful comedy writer who helped Peter avoid being bullied himself in high school. What's the uh, silliest part of this reunion, James B.? Listeners, so I see what Eddie's going to ask me, and I have time to go back and think about it. So I went back and skimmed through all the people. Eddie, it's eight full pages (laughs) of Peter Parker's reunion. I mean, they're going to be one character is important, maybe two. 50 panels of reunion where we only need to focus on those two guys. Uh, so I don't know what you're going to pick. I went with the fact that at one point someone puts a kick me sign on somebody and then somebody kicks them. And then the guy like who gets kicked starts punching another guy. I like that. That that was going to be my top one until I read, looked at the panel afterwards, which is like kind of like a kumbaya circle going on or something. Somebody's playing a flute. Someone's got a maraca. (laughs) Roots, they're important, is what they say. Clearly in this annual, they are. No no contrabassoons or bazookas in there, though, right? No contrabassoons or bazookas. We might might find one later, hopefully. When fellow alumni Louis Minnelli arrives, he blackmails Vogel because he knows he used to write scandalous books for Farr under the pen name Remington Colt. Minnelli uses Vogel for criminal activity, but Vogel is saved by Spider-Man who brings him unconscious to his apartment. I'm going to interrupt you here. Nothing's wrong with your summary except there's four characters in here, and I think it's hard for the listener it's, to jump in. Too many people. I don't know what to do exactly because I found this very confusing. Sure. So basically, listeners, what happens is two of the people at the reunion are involved in blackmailing each other. One guy's like, hey, I'm blackmailing you because you used to write for a sleazy person under a pen name. That's basically all you got to worry about right now. Okay. Thank you, James B. And the guy that's being blackmailed is Peter's friend from high school. Yes. Peter's okay. friend who yeah saved him from bullying. His name yeah. is, well, his last name is Vogel. Uh, and Vogel is at Peter's apartment where he recovers and realizes that he needs to destroy the files that are in the publisher Farr's safe. Because it exp- it shows that he was the scandalous writer. Correct. Yeah. He breaks into Farr's office and burns the files uh, that expose him, but inadvertently also burns the files that expose the kingpin. Yeah. The kingpin wants documents on far. He doesn't care if they're exposed. He doesn't actually care if he's exposed, while the C.J. Vogel wants his own documents only. It's kind of the best part of the story, unless you like this little ending. Well, speaking of the ending, Louis Minnelli attempts to align with the kingpin, but it backfires, resulting in his downfall. Peter realizes Vogel's character has diminished over the years, and he no longer feels indebted to him. He has some files because Spider-Man took the files initially. It says, like, Peter gave these to me to help you out. So the files weren't even in there when he was burning the whole place down and destroying all the files. And he says, here's your files. And he goes, uh, hey, I don't owe you anything anymore. It's like, Peter's, like, all mad at him. So, <laughs> uh, so much sleazy criminal activity in this one. 
New York City is a, it seems like a very rough place in 1984. So, jeez. I also don't like the fact that they could have ended the story with them saying like, hey, thanks for all your help. I'm glad I could pay you back or something. But they had to make, they just made him kind of like at the end, he was kind of sleazy in his own way. Yeah. It's like a, it's a real downer book, like in so many different ways. First, like I thought about there's some serious criminals that Peter went to high school with (laughs) that are doing really nasty things. That's true. Different people and each other. I mean, no wonder he was getting bullied if this is what they turned out to be as adults. So, well, Let me give you something that will make you feel a little differently about this. Okay. Eddie, have you ever wanted to get rid of some junk at home and it's just taking up space? You don't know what to do with it? I have recently done this and it made me feel so much better. So, yes. Well, that does take time and energy. So, Eddie, we've got a company for you. Now, listen to this carefully. C.J. Vogel has joined up with Thunderball, and their new company, Wreck-It Remington, is perfect for you. Old couch? They wreck it. Secret files? They wreck it. Eddie, they'll also destroy the safe. Is there an old bike in the shed? Hey, Eddie, they'll wreck the whole shed. Not a problem. Got an old tub in your basement? Boom. Basement is destroyed. Old dresser in grandma's house? Eddie, they'll blow up the neighborhood. Just when destroying one thing isn't enough, Call Wreck-It Remington, and they'll wreck it for you today. I, I don't need more things wrecked in my house, although uh, I am portraying my daughters in a bad light. They really are relatively careful. So, uh, But I don't think you understand how valuable this is. See, C.J. Yeah, Bill, who used to write right. under the uh, Remington yes. Colt name there, he, who destroyed all the files in the safe, He's working with Thunderball, who's part of the Wrecking Crew. Eddie, this is a brilliant team-up in our ASM storyline. These two guys got together and said, hey, we're good at wrecking stuff. You want to get rid of something, call them. Boom, it's gone. Thunderball, the same guy who we, we didn't mention, but he tricked his own gang into robbing an armored car just to see if they could do it. And then when they were angry at him, he like beats them all up. That's not a person I think anyone should be working with, let alone C.J. Vogel. But that's a person who goes above and beyond, Eddie. I will save them from themselves by not condoning this company. If you end up with a bunch of junk in your house or secrets that are getting out there, <laughs> remember this moment. Uh, if any, if people wanted to call in and... We don't, you can't call us. Eddie, if people wanted to, to write in, I mean, they could call us, but whatever. If you wanted to write in and say, hey, guys, listen, I got junk at my house. Uh, I... I I got problems. I want Spider-Man to come visit me and take off his mask for me and stop causing traffic jams. Whatever. How'd they reach us? You can email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at Let's Read Spidey. And I'm James B. Joined by... Eddie! And remember, listeners, to book Nose Norton for a solo contrabassoon performance at your next birthday party. Goodbye. Goodbye. So Eddie, these this is the Amazing Spider-Man, and here we are, all so close to getting back to the Hobgoblin. We're, I think we got three Hobgoblin really? books in a row. We're it's just around the corner. Uh, 
stumbling our way there. Yeah. Thunderball Thunderball was not a welcome addition to me. He just I don't know, he put up a good fight, but like He's like a Defenders and Iron Man villain. Did he put up a good fight? I don't even remember the fight. Spider-Man couldn't beat him physically in their battle. In fact, <laughs> the the Wrecking Ball also is like Thor's hammer. It like returns to Thunderball. I so. guess. It was He seems really strong, did, like way too strong. Didn't so. it was like an entire he had to just steal this one item. It was like in the armored car and all that other stuff just to get this one crowbar. Yeah, and it gives him like his power, which is why when Spider-Man takes it away from him, I'm like, shouldn't it be over? But he's still got his wrecking ball, and then he does get electrocuted once, and it like helps him. But then, but he can't even get this armored car unless Nose Norton shows up with his uh, laser to shoot like a tire, right? (laughs) So then, so then they can get this one crowbar out of the back of the truck. I don't know what bothered me more that they were transporting this one crowbar in a truck or that they needed Nose Norton's specialty laser to shoot the tire. <laughs> hey, wait, it's my chance, James. But you want to know what it's like to play controversy? Oh my gosh, I forgot to get out of this podcast. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say to my friend because he hated playing Contrabassoon. So I'm going to face away from my mic here for the sake of everyone. It's... What you do, everyone? You take your fingers and you plug your ears. And then you stick out your tongue and you go. (laughs) And that type of vibration is the same as when you're playing a giant instrument that's really low, like a contrabassoon. I'm assuming everybody's already clicked next podcast right now. (laughs) Let's read Spider-Man music is already playing. It's it's the end of the school year, James. I'm a little little off my rocker. Me and uh, the Hobgoblin. (laughs) 